0: Welcome to the Asset Management Friday's edition of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. Your hosts, Gary Lipsky and Kyle Mitchell, have more than 45 years of combined experience in operations and management, and more than 25 years of real estate investing experience. This show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems, manage their properties more efficiently, and become a best-in-class operator. 100% 100% Street Talk. Let's jump in.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to our Asset Management Friday segment of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate podcast. I'm your co-host, Kyle Mitchell, also joined by Gary Lipsky. Also, be sure to check out our Facebook group, Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate. All right. Today on the show, we have Mark Hintman. Mark, how you doing? Great. How about yourself? Doing very well, thanks. Maybe we can start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do.
2: Sure. I am a real estate investor in Los Angeles. I've been investing for 20 years, ever since buying my first duplex with some script payments that I got starting on a new show called Family Guy. I've been a writer for a little longer than that 20 years and wrote for David Letterman and a number of shows, created a couple of shows. And have been fortunate enough to get nominated for a few Emmys along the way. But early in my career, I was terrified of the financial insecurity of the entertainment business. So I pumped my first payments once I got any kind of traction into real estate and immediately got hooked. And I've been doing it ever since and plan to do it until I'm 100.
3: Very cool way to get started. Let's jump in and talk about post-close. So you buy an apartment building and then you just sit back and collect checks, right? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, what does the first 30 to 60 days look like for you as an asset manager? Like what are your checklists, your value add? Talk us through that.
2: I'll just very briefly back up. For the first 10 years or 15 years of all my investing, I'm in Los Angeles. It's a very expensive market. So I out of sheer necessity gravitated towards the cheapest properties I could find. And I discovered that investing in and upgrading these old properties that are like 1920s, 1930s vintage, inexpensive major markets has been a great strategy. And it's allowed me to continue to grow and you're able to provide affordable alternatives to new construction. And a lot of tech workers, millennials, anybody hipsters, they like those as long as you buy them in the right location. So I look for that and I look to buy it cheap. And after my inspecting, where I just try to eliminate major systems, Repairs because basically, I want to avoid value preservation and I want to focus on value creation. And you create value creation by doing the cosmetic stuff as much as the tenants can see and experience. So, once I take over after close, what I do in the first 30 to 60 days or 30 to 90 days is really sit and watch. I monitor everything. I don't want to start spending or jump into a major project until I get to know the property a little bit and see where the flaws are, where the issues are. You know, I don't want to halfway into a major project realizing that all the plumbing is problematic. So I like to sit and watch for the first 60 to 90 days. And I'm also... Making my plan, which I've already done before closing, but I calibrate my plan.
3: Nice. We always say that there's opportunities everywhere. You don't have to follow one way to do things. There's as many successful ways as skin of cat, you know? Okay, so after you spend some time getting to know your property, 60, 90 days in, what are some of the biggest things that you like to do to add value?
2: You know, I like to do exterior, and I usually start with curb appeal. I will rebrand it if I can. And Kyle, I know we met at a building of mine maybe five months ago or something, and you had a tour with you. And it looked like a castle. It had a turret. It was in Los Angeles. It was a hundred-year-old property. And I thought it was really cool, but totally neglected. So I wanted to rebrand it. It was a nondescript building, and we branded it as Chateau Westmoreland. It was on Westmoreland Avenue in Los Angeles. And... I painted, I fixed up the entry to play into its historic architecture and it wasn't really that expensive. And then I moved from there into the lobby, I believe in first impressions. So as soon as you walk into a property that has a big lobby, this one was completely nondescript and I changed the flooring. It had been replaced in the eighties with linoleum and I restored it to like a black and white twenties vintage tile. And then in my specific location in Los Angeles, I'm not from Los Angeles, I'm from Ohio, but you know, I wanted to take advantage of what Los Angeles has and what it has is Hollywood. And so I have this collection of vintage black and white Hollywood photos. And often I put those up in the lobby and in the hallways and just bring out that character. And I get so many comments from tenants that say that they love that, and it's pretty affordable. Also, you you have your interior unit renovations and your common areas. And if you can, a great thing to do is if you find these old buildings and shockingly, some of them are with just a very simple mom and pop owner for the last 25 years, you can add laundry. There's always space, seems like in the basement to install a laundry room. You want to create conveniences for your tenants, anything to make their experience as a renter better. And
3: as an asset manager, how do you manage all these things? Do you have one tool you use like software or how do you manage all these things?
2: I have a management company that I've been with for about 15 years And, you know, I usually coordinate with them. I also have a personal asset manager who runs my portfolio. And then I have my project manager as well, who is independent of the management company. We discuss the scope of work that we'll do and we'll go over budgets and he'll make a list of things that he thinks should be done. And then we'll go line by line and pick them apart, look at what we can afford and eliminate some things and maybe add other things.
3: He's a project manager for all your projects. Is he managing the crews? or I know you mentioned you had an asset manager. How do the two roles separate?
2: How are they distinct? My asset manager, I brought on because I am also continuing to write and produce television and movies. And I had grown my own portfolio to the point where I had about 400 units. And it was just a lot. And I needed someone to come on and just give me reports and monitor all the properties. So I wanted a portfolio manager and he became my asset manager. And he's also a liaison between me and the property management company. And then separately, I do value add on almost every property I buy. And I do that in addition to unit turns. And I was finding that I had enough volume of work to have someone full-time just always working on a project for me. And that became a guy named Art. I like Art, we have a great relationship and he's smart and he has his own crew and he has the ability to do other jobs as well. Okay, yeah, thanks for clarifying that. What else are key elements for your business plan that you always implement? I first start by going into the units, looking at kitchens and bathrooms, because I think that's what tenants pay attention to first. I also see if I can open up the unit in any way. I know back even 30 years ago, you had much more confined space and there's been a trend to open things up and i often find that we can open up walls and create more natural light i look for carpeting that's covering original hardwood flooring and i think that's just a little treasure that you find when you do and usually try to do that during inspections upgrading the tech is huge so i think when you take over a lot of these buildings you obviously Tenants did not use nearly the technology that we do or rely upon today. So my first thing is make sure that the Wi-Fi is strong, <laughs> unlike the issues that we've had today, and make sure you know it has enough electrical outlet and electrical capacity. And a couple of times, you know, in the last year, I've had to walk away from some buildings, some properties that I loved. One was in the Hollywood Hills and it was like the perfect value add but the electrical was designed for 1930s usage and I couldn't get the seller to share the price of replacing it. And they thought it was fine. I was like, it wasn't worth it.
3: Kyle and I run into that a lot with the electrical, but let me pass it to him to wrap it up. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to Quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation.
1: All right, Mark, we ask every guest this final question. What is your asset management superpower? I think
2: my asset management superpower is I think I have handicaps in areas of asset management, but my superpower is that I am an artist. I was a writer illustrator for American Greetings greeting card company right out of college and have always had an eye and very visually oriented. So I like to behold any kind of new building, these old buildings. I like to find the dumpiest building and I just stare at it and keep going back to it day after day. And then I get like a vision of what I think it should be.
1: Awesome. I love that answer. All right. Well, Mark, thanks for coming on and talking to us about post-close. Today, I learned a couple of things. You like to sit back and really evaluate the property for 30 to 60 days to make sure you're going to spend the money on the right things. And then the biggest thing is just create value for the residents that live there right i mean it's all about the residents and if you create that value and focus on curb appeal and extra stuff first you can really get more bang for your buck so if you can tell the listeners where they can find out more about you my email is mark
2: at dot or you could check out my website i have a company called quantum capital and the website is quantum capital inc And I also have a podcast called the Wild West Real Estate Show, which has been a fun little adventure. (laughs) So check that out as well.
1: Awesome. Well, to everyone listening in, thanks for tuning in. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher, give us a like, subscribe and review so we can continue to grow this audience. And we'll talk to you next
0: week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can reach Kyle and Gary and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, go to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Gary and Kyle, sign up on the contact page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.